0: Our scripture today is found in Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Good morning. I'm Glenn McDowell, one of the pastors here. Is the microphone working? Yes. Okay. Uh, Good to be with you today. Uh, I want to welcome Pastor Will Spokes. He's one of the pastors at our sister church, 10th Presbyterian Church uh, in Center City. Uh, So welcome to Will and his family. Uh, Many of you may not know that 10th Church uh, was very supportive of us when we started uh, Liberty, uh, 12 years ago, uh, financially, and public prayer, and sending people to help us in starting Liberty. Before I begin uh, the sermon today, I'm going to uh, give you a little exercise uh, in pairs of two. I want you to pair up with the person next to you, even if you've never seen him or, him or her before, and each of you describe to the other what motivates you to show compassion. We're going to be talking about mercy, compassion. Uh, What motivates you to show compassion? Is it that you love the other person or they deserve your help or their situation is desperate or pitiful or whatever it is that motivates you? Uh, Just in pairs of two. uh, We'll do this quickly. If you don't know the person, introduce yourself first. Let's go. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. okay Uh, you can pick up your conversation uh, after the service is over Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What does this mean? We're going to see that its meaning is the opposite of what we might initially think. Heard out of context, it sounds like, If I'm kind to others, I'm going to receive kindness in return. Sounds like a good moral precept. would fit well with Aesop's fables or an adage from Ben Franklin's almanac. But let's check out what's behind this statement. For those of you who were not with us the last four weeks, we've been looking at what is probably Jesus' most famous talk, his Sermon on the Mount, and in particular the pinnacle of that teaching referred to as the Beatitudes, which simply means the blessings. These are eight bold descriptions of the kind of person Who is blessed or to be envied or who is happy. What we're finding is not what a follower of Jesus does, but rather who he or she is. Jesus tells us eight aspects, eight blessings of that person. The first four describe the essence of entering into a right relationship with God, the last four describe the heart and life of a follower of Jesus in relation to others. There's a meaningful sequence that leads up to today's beatitude, which is blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The prior beatitudes show us that we are, one, abjectly poor and morally unworthy before God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Two, our condition and that of others is one to cry over. Blessed are those who mourn. Three, we are humbled before God and others. Blessed are the meek. Four, we come to desire and hunger after a goodness that is unnatural to us. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. The new desire can only come as a gift from God's Spirit. If you have trouble identifying with these four characteristics, then begin by asking yourself if you have come to faith in Jesus in, a way, in such a way that your heart and life are transformed by him. So now we come to the fifth beatitude, Blessed are the merciful. Think about how you've experienced mercy in surprising ways. One experience that Connie and I had comes to mind immediately. When one of our children was a teen, he was not doing well at home to the extent that we had to place him in a residential program for troubled teens in Missouri for a year and a half. The bill for this was over 100000 $100,000 not covered by insurance. We paid what we could, and my financial supporters and many of our friends helped us. I raised my own support for my salary as a pastor, so I have supporters. Uh, But we were still far short of paying the full bill. After praying for the Lord to provide, Connie thought that we should tell an acquaintance about the need. We went to meet him at his office. I'd never met him before. And Connie only knew him from casual business contact. And we told him our story, including how we adopted our four children. He asked, how much do you need? And I said, at this point, we're still short $36,000. He pulled out his checkbook and said, I'm writing you a check for $36,000. We walked out of his office in a daze. We had prayed that the Lord would provide, but this was amazing, not only through our friends, uh, some of whom uh, are not brothers and sisters in the Lord, uh, but from many and now from this man, the Lord had fully provided. This was a taste of God's mercy. To To better understand mercy, let's start with a story that Jesus tells elsewhere. It's about a man on a journey who is mugged, Beat up, robbed, and left to die. It could have been in Rio or Mumbai, London, or Philly. He was like one of us riding our bike through Philly when two men stop him, gun whip him, and rob him of everything and leave him semi conscious on the sidewalk with blood running down his forehead. But with good fortune, a minister walks up the sidewalk. He carefully steps over the bleeding man and keeps walking. Then comes a man who is active in his church. He's a home meeting leader. And as he approaches the moaning man on the sidewalk, he crosses to the other side of the street and keeps walking, not looking back. A third man drives up the street in his car. He sees the man on the sidewalk and pulls over. He's probably a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. He's not the person you and I invite over often to share a drink and watch Netflix together. And this man jumps out of his car, assesses the man's wounds, and feels compassion for him. He bandages him the best he can. He carries him into his car, not concerned about the blood getting on his seats, takes him to the best hospital. He patiently helps them through the long check-in process, gives them his American Express card, saying, give him a private room, the best care possible, and put the whole bill on my card until he's discharged. And Jesus said, this is what mercy looks like. We are desperately in need of mercy. And here's the reason Jesus tells us this story. He wants us to look at ourselves. No, not that we are the home-meeting leader that walked by on the other side. Jesus wants us to look at ourselves as the one down on the ground who's beat up, desperate, dying. We are the one on the sidewalk. The trouble is we usually don't realize how desperate our situation is. We see other people who become desperate, people with potentially terminal cancer or family crisis or loss of job, and we might think, my situation's not that bad. Or we might currently be in a situation where we feel desperate because of our circumstances. But Jesus is going beyond circumstances. He's talking about our standing before God. How pitiable our state is before the God who made us and to whom we are accountable. For those of you who do not consider yourselves religious Christians, you may have some good reasons based on your experience and your accurate perceptions of us Christians as self-righteous, self-deceived, and not very compassionate. And speaking to us Christians, becoming merciful begins with self-awareness of our tendency toward independence from the Father and having dysfunctional, unmerciful hearts as a result. Jesus helps us understand that we are utterly unworthy of God's mercy from the first two Beatitudes, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, he's saying that we are abjectly poor, morally, and unworthy before God. When he says, blessed are those who mourn, he says, we're in a condition to cry over. God created us to be in total dependence on Him. But my energy mostly goes into making life work on my terms, my strength, my intelligence. I want to do it my way. What's wrong with that? When I do it my way, I am missing out on the very design and life for which God created me. It means that I become my own God. Even when I give my life in service to others, it's still about me, my reputation, my impact, my epitaph. Doing it my way has the consequences that I do not have the ability to overcome the deep-rooted hurts, brokenness, addictions, and bitterness that often drive me. And, and they also keep me from loving even my closest family and friends. When I do it my way, I fail to love God and fail to love out his kind of mercy, his supernatural mercy that would cause me to love those who make life hard for me or who've hurt me deeply, or who, in fact, are my enemies. When I do it my way, I do not pray for God to bless those who persecute, oppress, or despise me. Why would I? I desperately need God's mercy. So my first point is, we are desperately in need of mercy. We are the mugged one laying on the sidewalk. Point two Jesus is mercy. Jesus is mercy in person. He embodies the mercy that we need. The surprising thing about Jesus' story, the man who was beat up and robbed, is his twist on who shows him mercy. It's not the expected religious people, it's the least expected person, a man who, by his race, religion, and culture, was despised by the Jewish people who first heard the story, a Samaritan. For many of us, an equivalent might be a member of a Middle Eastern group associated with terrorism. This unusual analogy demonstrates that while we are full-bent on going our own way, hell-bent away from God, God himself surprises us with mercy. While we were yet God's enemies, he shows us mercy embodied in his son, Jesus. The analogy in the story is not to show that God is human like a Samaritan, but that rather that God surprises us with mercy just like a first century Jew would be totally surprised and amazed at the compassion of this foreigner to him or her God's mercy takes the form of sending his son to live the life we should have lived and die the death we deserve and to call us into his family and to instill the goodness of Jesus in us He both declares us good in his in his sight And he works in us to change us to be good. God's mercy is personified in Jesus. He lived a life on earth of showing mercy to others, especially to society's outcasts, to the lepers, the widows, the prostitutes, the poorest people with no social status, even the political traitors, the tax collectors, with a very negative social status. Jesus felt compassion, and he took action. But... Mercy is supremely personified in Jesus on the cross. There he showed mercy by offering himself as an innocent substitute to receive punishment for me who deserves God's anger and in the place of all others who trust in him. So my first point is we are desperately in need of mercy down and dying on the sidewalk. Point two, Jesus is mercy in person. He is the good Samaritan. He's the one who rescues us in mercy. And point three, God's mercy so radically transforms us that we become, we are a merciful person. God's mercy transforms us and makes us merciful. First, it's helpful at this point to distinguish between grace and mercy, since these two terms are similar. Mercy is an aspect or are a certain kind, a special kind of grace. Grace is God's response to our rebellion against him, our falling short of his goodness. Mercy is God's response to our suffering as a consequence of our rebellion and of our suffering by simply living in a messed up world. Grace forgives our sin through Jesus. Mercy brings compassion to our pain through Jesus. And it's more than compassion. Mercy is compassion plus action. Action to bring relief, healing, and peace. So grace forgives sin. Mercy brings compassion to our pain. And then consider what mercy is not so we have clarity on on mercy. Mercy is not tolerance, acceptance. Some might say that being merciful means not being judgmental. Some say... What people want to do in their private lives is their own business and has nothing to do with me, so I would never condemn anyone. But being non-judgmental can lead one to be confused as to whether there really is right and wrong. What do you think? Mercy is different than tolerance or being nonjudgmental because mercy assumes there is both justice and there is injustice. For example, We'd agree it is it is grossly unjust for a man to take captive a young girl and abuse her. In fact, to be tolerant and non judgmental of that activity would in effect endorse and hide life damaging abuse. Tolerance could say, I won't judge that man, but mercy would rescue the girl at all costs and would humanely but decisively bar that man from ever again abusing others. Mercy not only rescues the one who is suffering but also restrains evil and, if possible, also restores perpetrators to wholeness and to making restitution. So then, mercy has compassion for suffering together with working for justice. Mercy also gives me compassion for someone who is in my debt because she's offended me. You've put me down. You owe me. Mercy changes my heart to not want to get even. Additionally, sometimes God's mercy brings me through a winding trail of suffering that I might see the consequences of my own decisions or attitudes or simply to share in Jesus' sufferings. In both cases, that I might change and become more dependent on Jesus. So, How, then, does God's mercy transform us? How does God's mercy make us be merciful? When we receive his mercy, it overwhelms us. It changes us. It changes us so that we become a different person. We feel compassion for people who hurt us, people who frustrate us, and who hold us in contempt, even our enemies, just as Jesus felt compassion for those who crucified him. I'm sure that the man in the story who was mugged and left for dead was never the same after he experienced the mercy of the stranger who rescued him. Mercy just started pouring out of him even before he recovered from his wounds. He was a changed man still when he was still in that hospital bed because of the mercy he had experienced. God's mercy so radically transforms us that we become unnaturally compassionate you know, some people are more compassionate by nature or personality than others. But Jesus is talking about a supernatural fruit of the Spirit that goes beyond our natural inclination or disposition or personality. This, His mercy moves us to have compassion for someone we would naturally have good reason to despise. Like a person who married into your family who's an expert at making you miserable. God's mercy to us is so powerful that it necessarily changes our hearts to be merciful to the undeserving. And this is proof that it's God's spirit working in us. So here's a warning. When we feel contempt toward people different than us, we should question whether we understand and are receiving God's mercy. Now, here's a problem that I haven't thought enough about. Self-contempt. And so... Let's think about self-contempt. Self-contempt may actually block our faith, block receiving and passing on the gift of God's mercy. If we feel hatred or contempt for ourselves, or we just don't like who we are, we should question whether we understand and receive God's mercy. God calls us to begin by showing mercy to ourselves, to love ourselves. We don't hear that spoken about a lot in the church, but in all three Gospels, Jesus... Uh, of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus affirms the law of Moses, love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, at the Romans letter, we read the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so since this is so basic to our faith, we better understand what it means to love ourselves so we know how to love our neighbor. Do you know what it means to love yourself? In simple terms, To love ourselves is to believe and act on the fact that in Jesus, we are fully forgiven for every offense we've ever committed or even thought against God, against ourselves, and against every other person. In addition, God is already pleased with us and loves us immeasurably, just as we are right now. No, I don't need to do penance or do anything to deserve God's love or deserve my own love. Jesus has already earned it for me. And since God now loves me so completely and I am so lovable I can freely, honestly, sincerely love myself just as I am. Now that is different and not to be confused with being selfish. Selfishness is seeking my way at all costs. But loving myself is seeking God's way at Jesus' cost. Selfishness is seeking my way at all costs. Loving myself is seeking God's way at Jesus' cost. Some say, I can't forgive myself. But to not forgive yourself, to not love yourself, is to proudly hold yourself morally superior to God, who does forgive you in Jesus as you trust in him. Yes, it's okay to love yourself. And that frees you to love others because you are confident in God's love and you can pass that love and mercy on to others by the Holy Spirit. So if you are feeling self-contempt creeping up inside and that is blocking you from showing mercy to others, stop, admit it, turn your mind around, grab hold afresh of God's love for you. Now let me address an easy misunderstanding of this text. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We could take this to mean, if we show mercy to others, then God will show mercy to us. That is, thinking that receiving God's mercy is conditional on us for showing mercy. After all, many of us often pray the Lord's Prayer, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Doesn't that mean we do our part, God does his? Sounds like The trouble with this interpretation is that it flies in the face of everything else Jesus teaches. In fact, it is contrary to the whole of God's revelation in all of Scripture and even in all of his creation. For God's very nature is to show mercy to the undeserving. Jesus died and rose for us while we were undeserving. We show mercy because he first shows mercy. We love because he first loved us. Okay, so what is the connection between being merciful and receiving mercy? Or in the words of the Lord's Prayer, what is the connection between forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? It's this. When I realize my offenses against God and confess them, and I repent in sorrow, that is, I turn from doing them, and I realize that it is only by God's grace and mercy that I am forgiven, that I do not deserve forgiveness, Yet now I receive his mercy. Then, as sure as day follows night, I must show mercy to another who is also undeserving. I who do not deserve forgiveness from the perfect God am shown amazing mercy. Now I can't help but show mercy to another, even though they've hurt me and, and even though they deserve no mercy. Woe is me as if after being given by our friends and a person in need asked me for $100 if I don't have compassion on them. Mercy supernaturally changes my heart and now I'm a merciful person. I'm eager to show mercy to my rival. And when we feel contempt towards others, if we cannot forgive and show mercy to them, then we haven't fully understood God's mercy to us in that moment. So grab hold of God's mercy. By the spirit of Jesus, receive his forgiveness and love. And then love yourself and love others. And in particular, those you cannot love in your own strength. Those who have hurt you, those who dislike you, those that you hold in contempt, those who are very different and may be a threat. God gives us power by his spirit to feel and do what is unnatural to us. And now, the big picture here in Philly. We Christians have a problem in our city. We're not always known as people of compassion. In fact, we might have the opposite reputation in some quarters, to an extent that's deserved. But when people see us living out mercy and compassion in ways that do not make human sense, then people will start asking us about the hope that we have. They'll ask us, who we meet with, to feed that hope. May God have mercy in us that we might have mercy on our city. And so to recap, we are desperately in need of mercy. Jesus is mercy in person, and God's mercy so radically transforms us that we become supernaturally compassionate people. When we trust Jesus, who is God's mercy, our heart is transformed, and we cannot help but be merciful in ways that are unnatural to us. Back to the story of us lying on the sidewalk. We are beaten up and desperate, but Jesus has come, and with compassion, he lifts us up, he carries us, he heals us. Now we see others all around us, some who are despicable, rude, hurtful, but our hearts are different. Rather than contempt, hatred, indifference, we are changed. God's Spirit makes us compassionate, and then empowers us to action of mercy, pity, and love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for making our hearts new by your Spirit. And Jesus. Name.